Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 186. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about a recent pistol-focused um, training event that really focused on um, what we call high-performance shooting. Um, so we're looking at reactive shooting um, at 10, 15, and 20 yards, and then some tra- a transition-focused drill that we did um, that looked at everything from 5 out to about 25 yards, maybe, uh, and kind of the lessons learned and things from that. Yes. Um, one of the things that we, you know, setting this whole thing up. So the conversation before this night and before another night too, actually, was talk about dry fire. Um, we, we, a couple of us have been running an app. Am I allowed to talk about the app? Yeah. Right? Okay. I don't know, like legal issues and bullshit like that. Um, so there's an app called the dry fire timer. If you look up, if you look it up on the app store, or look it up on the Android store or whatever, it's a, it's a blue button with an old school actually it would be a new school ip uh idpa target or no, uh, the uspsa IP, target. it's an ipsc target it's a, yeah it's, it's, it's a the, it's old it's school tombstone it's, not tombstone but the goofy one with no head it's the international ipsc target yeah which basically means you know we're not shooting at people looking things so i don't know what is that is that like it's not the anti-nato or the anti anyway um but it's a target this kind of that doofy looking target with no head on it um, on a blue background, take a look at that timer and it's, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 bucks, something like that, yeah. that app. Um, so, and then we'll talk more about that as we go, but I want to preface the conversation with that because it actually made a pretty big difference for me on this particular night. Yeah. So okay. to start out the night, our first drill was, um, what's called practical accuracy. Um, this is a drill out of the practical shooting training book, um, by Ben Stager and Joel Park. Yep. Um, the focus of this drill is to shoot reactively, so we're re- responding to the sight picture uh, as quickly as possible. Um, we're making that, that next shot uh, with the idea of you're, you're 100% accountable for your shots. Yes. So trying to put everything you know, inside a, call it a softball or a tennis ball size group in the A zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, you know, since we still have a defensive mindset, we want that in the upper A zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the idea is you're shooting 0.4 to 0.6 splits. Um, it's a basically a build drill out of the holster. Uh, some of the guys just ran it from the low ready because they wanted to to really work on having the perfect grip and getting a feel for what that felt like. Yeah. Uh, but the the whole drill is you know six shots. Um, we did this at 10, 15, and then 20 yards. We ran three strings from each yard line. Um, and when we focused and we reviewed the the times, the, the, ish, ah, the focus wasn't so much on the total time as much as the individual splits. Yes. To give somebody an idea of, you know, are you shooting, um, you know, too slowly, um, which would be, you know, that, past that 0.6 split time. Um, are you shooting, you know, where you're comfortable, call out like 0.5? Uh, are you getting down into the, you know, more of the limits of what a human reaction and stuff is and that like 0.4 or maybe even like high 0.3s depending on how much the gun moves around. Yeah. And, and also bearing in mind, um, I think if you watch, you know, a, a GM style shooter running stuff like this, the splits are going to be threes or less. You know, or, or somewhere around there. If you're like talking about that that tone, that honed guy, yeah. you'd initially said three to five, point three to point five, 
and and watching some of the stuff I've watched a couple of videos here recently and 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 kind of trying to get a, a vibe on what's happening within those videos with somebody like Matt Pranka at X-ray Alpha or somebody like that and I think that that reactive shooting time for somebody at that skill level that GM skill level probably is 0.3 and we're chasing that, but not there <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, you know, again, understanding that what you're trying to do is do it within your limits. You're trying to, as soon as you have, you know, confirmation that that, that dot is in the top of that A zone and it's where you want it, that you're, you're, you're still gripping the shit out of the gun with your offhand and you're mashing the trigger and going right back at it and getting back on target and smashing that trigger straight to the rear. And, and so um, I, there was some, like a little bit of a, thought curve. I don't want to say an actual learning curve, but a little bit of a, okay, I can push this. Okay. I can push this. Okay. I can put, Oh, I can't push it that far. And, and I think that was the cool thing about running this drill multiple times at each distance. Um, as we backed up because the, we walked up and looked at the target and you could see where, what you were doing, where your spread was going. Um, you could see gun grip issues. You could see trigger drive issues. And I think you could also see a couple of guys who just flat out acknowledged, you know, okay, well, the first time I did this, the second time I kind of you know, did a little harder. And then the third time I intentionally kind of outran my headlights to see what I could do. Um, I don't think that was the intent of the drill, but I think either way, you still learn something from it. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, and for me, like I, you know, I, I am, I am not like some of these guys out there who can, you know, you and, and some of the guys have trigger fingers that can really run some amazing splits, but, but you're driving the site, not necessarily the trigger fingers, what yeah. you're driving based off of. So you are not, you're not outrunning your headlights in any way, shape or form. Um, you might be outrunning your grip or you might be outrunning some other minor thing. And I don't mean you specifically, but I mean the shooter in general might be outrunning their grip or something like that. And I think we saw some guys who had grip breakdown issues. Um, one of the guys, uh, you know, a couple of guys just, just tripping over the trigger, honestly, where you had like pop, 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 you know, where somebody like just tripped over the trigger in the middle of the sequence or something like that. And you heard that you could, you could tell from the cadence and then you had other runs that were just boom, 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 super, super metronomy. Um, and and when you walk down and look at the target and the hits are where you want them, or even if the hits aren't where you want them, but they're grouped well, was even somewhat tolerable. Because yeah. we had some guys we think maybe, you know, a, a site was off by a few clicks or something along those lines. And so it, it's super, super, super good assessment drill of what's going on with you, what's going on with your grip, what's going on with the trigger, and what's going on with what you're seeing, which, gosh... That's almost like all of shooting. Pretty much. Yeah, like in one place. That's almost all of shooting in one place. So when you start talking to, you know, guys out there that are running this drill, that drill, the other drill, there's lots of good metrics. There's lots of good drills out there you can run. Um, this, a build drill, whatever you want to call it. You know, the build drill, I think, is a little bit different intent, um, you know, with, yeah. but it, but it's the same kind of thing. Well, so to, to break down, you know, a traditional yeah. build drill is, you know, from the holster, six yep. shots at seven yards. As fast as um, you can as go. As fast as you can go. And at seven yards for a good shooter um, with a proper grip, um, the aiming mentality switches yep. from being reactive to being predictive. Yes. So you're basically getting that first sight picture where you need it to be, and then you're running the trigger as fast as you possibly can Yeah. until you shoot shot six, or yeah. for artists, maybe shot seven. Or five, either way. <laughs> Whatever, art school. Um, yeah. But the, so the aiming scheme is completely different. Your yep. split times, you know, chasing, call it point twos. Yeah. You know, human reaction to a visual stimulus is if you're Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. On the Formula One starting grid, maybe point two one. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're running the trigger faster than our brain can 
our eyes and our brain can actually process what the sights are doing. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this case, you know, we went to 10 uh, and we shot, you know, doubles, which is another drill um, that's really good for diagnosing some of this kind of stuff. Uh, but with doubles, we're focused on that predictive second shot. Uh, you know, we shot doubles at 10, 15, 20. Uh, this one being focused on the reactive shooting. Yeah. So reacting to that sight picture, uh, running a little bit slower. Groups were generally pretty tight. Yep. And if they didn't, if they weren't super tight, they generally showed useful information to help somebody fix their grip. Which would be the prime difference between those three drills. I think the bill drill shows you one thing, double shows you one thing, and this shows you yet, yet another, um, especially when you push back to distance. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said, you know, some different diagnostics that we've been doing. So when we talk about this stuff, um, you know, I know it's like, oh, we went to the range and shot again. Um, but there's there's an intent to what we're doing. There's an intent to what we're driving and where we're trying to get to. And and this is one of those things where, um, you you know, trying to push you know, the, the idea of, I'm going to use 1970s terms, but the whole point shooting mentality, at, you know, what distance can you jam the gun out there and mechanically do what you're supposed to do versus, um, you know, and, and that's that's kind of the, the predictive aspect of this. Not, if not you're... the predictive aspect. So predictive, we're using, and there's the reason I'm, I'm making this distinction, it's with point shooting, we've got basically confirmation one sight picture. Mm -hmm. So we've got some reference of the front sight on the target. Uh, confirmation two, we've got, you know, front sight, rear sight, dot lined up uh, where we want it on the target. As soon as we see that flash of the sights, um, we're taking the shot. And then confirmation three, um, from, a, from an aiming standpoint, we've got a hard, you know, really good sight alignment. Um, whether that's the dot being you know, squared up in the center of the target, or we got this, the front sight, rear sight, very well aligned where we need it. Uh -huh. uh, so when we, if we're, you know, we're up close, call it five to seven yards, um, we can get away a lot of times with a confirmation one sight picture, uh, and then we can send the the what would be the second, third, nth round um, predictively um, from it from a response to that initial sight picture provided okay. that, you know, our grip is good and we're able to maintain, you know, a solid grip through the entire string. Uh, whereas with the, you know, the old school point shooting, it's kind of like, oh, well, I, I'm pointing the gun at the target and I'm just going to shoot rounds. So different from what we're doing. I don't, and I'd say that depends on where you were, how you were taught it. Because I don't, I don't, I think there's point shooting that's taught based off the distinction of the outline of the gun or how the gun's placed in front of you visually without necessarily using the sights. And then there's like the old school point shooting from Hong Kong, um, from like the old, who was the the British like dude? Applegate. Yeah, the Applegate Fairbairn stuff where you're like elbows pinned against your side and you're not looking at the gun at all versus point shooting where like a lot of the FBI in the 80s and 90s taught point shooting off of guns with no sights on them from the mentality of you're still seeing the outline of the gun. So you still have some kind of physical reference to the gun. So not exactly the same, but analogous. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do is talk to the people who don't understand what one, two, and three are to make that, to say this is the closest thing you're going to get to that, and this is not that. What the drill was was not that. It's not point shooting. It's mm -hmm. definitely finding that front sight picture where you need it. It's it's def And that would be the difference between the predictive aspect and the reactive aspect. So the re the predictive and the reactive is only on the on the second, third, and shot. Okay. Um, you know, we're using the aiming scheme to determine when to shoot the first one. Okay, on predictive. 
on reactive or predictive. Okay. Then I don't know that I understand that, but that's fine. So, yeah. okay. Um, I forget where I was at. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So the, you know, yeah, where we were, so we're back at the, you know, what did, what did we learn from seeing rounds and aggregate down on the target? Uh, if you have a solid grip, um, you saw your group expand concentrically um, as we went from 10, 15, 20 yards. Yeah. Um, it basically, the, like the group, the circle that defined where the group was just on, kept on getting a little bit bigger. Um, think of stacking like a coffee cup saucer on top of a salad plate on top of a dinner plate. Yeah. Um, that's what happened. That's what we want. And that's uh, like that's an angular, that's an angular conversation. Yeah, it's what's yeah. expected. Yeah. Um, for guys that had, you know, grip issues or were doing something funky, um, we started to see lines appear yeah. on the target. So either vertical stringing or diagonal stringing. Yeah. Um, we had a couple guys go, well, I keep on pushing rounds down. Um, we're like, well, how are you gripping the gun? Yeah. Well, I'm gripping the gun really hard with my strong side hand that runs the trigger, and then I'm trying to use the support side hand. Yeah. And we're like, oh, well, that's kind of a problem. It's backward. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, do modern, and I'm going to say, when I say modern shooting, I'm meaning like following the fundamentals <laughs> basically outlined by Steger. Yeah. Because um, the, the state of the art for handgun shooting right now is what's outlined in practical shooting training um, yeah. period full stop like this is the state of the art for pistol shooting right now yeah um, with your strong side hand you're gripping the gun um, call it firmly um, yeah. but you're not gripping it such that you can't run your trigger finger completely independent of your other fingers yeah so once your trigger finger once squeezing the trigger causes the other fingers to respond um, with it, um, you need to back off the grip a little bit. Yeah, if you're creating enough tension throughout your entire hand that one affects the other, then that's too much. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, and, and, it's, and that's, there's a distinction there, and that's a difficult thing to separate yeah. because your hand wants to work together. Your fingers want to work in unison with each other because that's what they've done. Um, so and, that, and we're you know, only a pistol. The, yes. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, oh, there's going to be an explosion in here. Exactly. And we <laughs> want to be accountable for it, too. You know, if you're, especially if you're moving and stuff like that, you're trying to come in. A lot of the, you know, I think you see that almost as much or maybe even more when you're talking about footwork, because yeah. as you're coming into a stop on something and you're maybe you slide a little bit or something like that, as you're bringing the gun up and lining things up, you know, there's a little bit of that whole body tension where you're just reacting to trying to maintain balance, control, etc. But you see it here, too, though. And when somebody's gripping the crap out of it, weird things happen. Yeah. And Bad then, things happen. Yeah. So, with, again, strong side hand, um, firmly, but we need to be able to run the trigger finger completely independent of the other four other three fingers on the hand. Yeah. Um, with the support side hand, we want to absolutely fucking crush the grip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You're, you know, you're wrapping your taco in. That taco should be as tight as it can humanly be around the gun until you induce shaking. You know, once you start to induce shaking, maybe back off just a skosh from that. And there's also a conversation too, you know, okay, if I'm, if I'm wrapping my hand around the gun, um, there's also a conversation around thumbs. Uh, one of our guys was just at a class uh, from a, you know, a GM level USPSA shooter who's doing a lot of work with folks with side optics and stuff, you know, with dot optics on guns and stuff like that, uh, but can run a gun with irons just as well. 
talking about where your thumb's at, um, how much input, because everybody's like, oh, I don't want to touch the slide of my gun with my thumb. That's out the window, too. You're driving against the side of the gun with your offhand thumb um, to help control that. And, and so a lot of this is uh, there's been some significant changes in how we look at this stuff over the last decade or more um, that we're just now seeing because the guys at the top are, are willing to maybe share a little bit of the wisdom, a little bit of the their uh, – their wizardry with us mere peons and so now that that's trickling down it's a little bit different world than thumb stacked or a little bit different world than push pull or a little bit different world than whatever you were doing last year yeah. and it's better uh, and then with that we got our elbows a little bit bent yep um trying to decrease tension in the shoulders yeah and to pick you know to to pull the phrase from frank proctor um during recoil we just let the gun do let it do let um, it do because it you know, if we let the we we expect the the front of the gun to rise up a little bit, it's yeah. going to come back right back to where it was. Yeah, um, that happens in like 0 0.03 of a second. Yep. Um, so our ability to control like that that motion and that action happens much faster than our ability to respond to and control it. Yep. Uh, so we just let it do. Yeah. Let, um, it, let it do its thing. And the guys that were trying to fight that recoil, um, they end up pushing the gun again pushing the gun down to some extent yeah um because now the gun's moved and they're you know chasing the sights um the sights are moving depending on when they last saw the sight picture and when they send the next shot um that second third fourth whatever shot isn't yeah. where they thought it was yeah. Uh, again, because they're fighting the, trying to fight the recoil. They're trying to muscle it. They're trying to, they're trying to over control the gun. They're trying to muscle the gun versus having that that hammer grip with your offhand, but then letting everything else just just remain, you know, at the right amount of tension. I don't want to say no tension. I don't want to say high tension on it. There's there's a right amount that the more you do this, the more you kind of slide into it. But like the shoulders turtled over, the head ducked down. Um, the 1990s um, going into the combat grip where everything's just locked out, shoulders all locked in, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, it's great if you're teaching a new shooter who's never touched a gun before, I guess, and you're looking for something mechanically, foundationally solid for somebody who's not going to put a ton of reps in or be given a lot of ammo. Um, okay, fine, I, I guess, maybe, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Um, but the reality check is this lets the gun do what the gun needs to do and come back to where you want it to come back versus you trying to muscle it and pushing it someplace that it doesn't want to go and eventually you don't want to go either um it, there's and it's a feel thing it's a feel yeah. thing it's something that i've been working on a lot over the last few years because i always was able to kind of muscle the gun and make it work good enough but i but i would never make it to a point that these guys are at doing what i was doing so it's kind of stepping back from that saying okay well let's see what the really good guys are doing and try and mimic that and even if i can't do it that good it's still better than where I was. And as a result of that, I ran probably my first three-second build drill in a long freaking time. And I know you guys out there that are, you know, IG gurus are laughing at that because um, there's dudes doing it in two. But I'll, I'll take a three-second build drill yeah. with my eyes, um, you know, and stuff like that. I'll, I'll and, take that. And we were, you know, doing this at a lot more distance than a traditional build True. drill. True. Yeah, that's probably a 10-yard build drill. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's something to be said for the let it do there's something to be said for not creating too much tension in your primary hand but mashing the hell out of it with your offhand and there's something to be said for all this all this stuff that sounds like all kind of sciencey and all kind of kinesthetically ooh wah um it, it, it's legit it's legit and the the dudes pinning this stuff and putting it to paper are some of the best guys out there and the paradigm shift 
is is significant in how you view it, not necessarily significant in how you do it. It's, yeah. it's a lot of it's mental and how it feels. So yeah. um, one of the other things that came out of this is we've kind of in a lot of ways gone from the prep and press of the trigger yep. to just driving the trigger straight back to the rear um, at speed. And I think, and again, there's guys out there at a high level that are still telling you there's a prep aspect to this going fast. They just don't talk as much about it. The prep is maybe part of the presentation if you're coming out of the holster or it's part of the transition if you're going from whatever to whatever, but to think about it as a separate part versus it's a fluid situation and, and you're, where's, you know, you need to be at the trigger when it's time to shoot. Yeah. When the sight's where it's supposed to be, you need to be at the brake and pressing through the brake because that's the most efficient way to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've seen, so one of the, one of the graphs in practical shooting training um, they show, you know, prep and press is we have this curve um, that goes from one to five on pressure. We're one, we, we're just touching the trigger slightly. Yeah. And then at five, the trigger's breaking to when we're doing, we're pressing the trigger straight back to the rear at speed. We just go from one to five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, especially with like a double stack trigger or a strider fire trigger, uh, like a Glock. You know, instead of trying to find that wall and then sit on the wall or find the sight picture, um, just go from one to five on yeah. the pressure. And you like if the sight picture is good enough when your finger initially touches the trigger and you can pull the trigger straight to the rear, um, the sight picture will be good enough when you get to the rear of the trigger. Okay. Um, versus yeah, if your, grip, if your grip's where it's supposed to be. Versus trying yeah. to over-refine the sight picture, we're just burning time. In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, and the so the other part of this drill, um, chase like being within the point four to point six split range, yeah, is really important to get the most out of the drill. Yeah. Um, if you're running too fast, which we had some guys do, um, now you've gone from shooting reactively to shooting predictively. Um, so we might as like we're shooting doubles. We're not yeah. shooting practical accuracy. Yeah. And then if you're running you know call it like one second splits or you know 0.9 somewhere around there yeah uh, you're not shooting fast enough to actually get the to learn the lessons you need to learn from the drill yeah because you're not finding the sights or dot or wherever where it's supposed to be and driving the trigger or having you're, to grip you're, the gun you're hard enough. yeah or, or you're milking your grip you're resetting your grip because it wasn't where it was supposed to be a combination of things where you're you're over refining things or something's not there to begin with foundationally yeah. in the grip so and we saw that a little bit too so definitely um yeah I, like i said I, I the the more we do the stuff from that book from stager and park and from that book um the, the some of that's finally starting to freaking gel even if the terminology's not <laughs> Um, but it, but yeah. it, it, it's interesting stuff. I mean, it's the, the thought end of it drives the, the behavior end of it, and, the, and that's that's sinking in finally. This is some cool stuff because um, I've been doing this for a long freaking time, and every once in a while there's a different way to look at it. And when I first started shooting guns, uh, we were we were I was taught weaver shit, and and that's changed to isosceles, and that's changed to this and that, and to let it do, and it's changed from you know force it where you want it to go to learn how to ride the gun, learn how to drive the gun, et cetera, and go from there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I know that, you know, some of this stuff, when I do references to old timey shit, um, it's the closest thing I have to compare it to, but it's not that. And that's, and those are important distinctions. So mm -hmm. for sure. Um, 
Cool. Yeah. yeah that, what, what was the name of that drill again? Uh, that's the practical accuracy drill. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Matt Prankett, X-Ray Alpha, has a pretty good IG video on this from a couple weeks ago. Uh, so take a look maybe for that if you can find it. Uh, if not, if you don't have practical shooting training, um, you need to get it. You can get it from Amazon or from Ben Sager Pro Shop. So the next thing we did, um, we did the target or designated target drill. Yes. Uh, which we did a little bit differently, maybe than specified in the book, because I think the book shows five targets and we ran seven. Yep. Um, we set, we had targets arrayed in like 110-ish maybe degree arc. Yeah. Um, far targets were at 20 to 22, 23 yards, something like that. Yeah. We had two targets more more towards the center of that arc that were at, I don't know, five, seven, six, I, seven. I'd say seven. Seven, like one, were, at, one at six, one at eight, one at five, one at yeah, six, something like that. Something like that. They were close. Yeah. And then we had the designated target at like right about 12. Yeah. Um, and this, so the targets were arranged on purpose. Uh, you started the drill um, from the draw, shoot the designated target, pick another target, shoot it twice, go back to the designated target, shoot it twice, shoot it twice. everything got hit with a pair, um, until you've shot all of the targets and then come back to the designated target and engage it a final time. Uh, arranging the target such that we did uh, force the shooter to choose which aiming confirmation scheme they needed. Yep. So can you shoot confirmation one, confirmation two, or confirmation three based on the distance to the target? Yeah. Um, and then also based on the distance to the target and your personal skill set, um, are you able to shoot predictively or do you have to shoot reactively on a given target? Yeah. Because uh, that should be changing based on which target you were shooting. Yeah, the five the five yard target, the six yard, seven yard targets probably should be that predictive, you know, your your confirmation yeah, one. Your, your, well, yeah, and, and then boom, yeah. boom and go. You know, and then the further targets, there's more reactive. You're shooting the first shot, shooting the second shot, you know, from there because of the distance aspect yeah. to it. So um, th this drill, so this is where I was talking about the dry fire timer. Um, that app. So I downloaded it that that app and been playing around with it a little bit and have had a few times a week an opportunity just not necessarily to work on out of the holster and the click to that first stroke dry fire kind of stuff um but more target to target transition um and so setting up some of this and i, I i'm i'm a redneck so i'm you know freaking clear the gun in a different room walk into another room um I, i'm more worried about target to target transition so i'm looking at like light switches and a light switch from here to here to here or a wall outlet from here to here to here uh, a small enough target to keep myself honest um, yep. on the click to make sure or on the press to make sure, um, the dry fire thing, you know, you, you, you don't have to get a click each time. If you want to buy one of the magazines that makes it click, if you want to do the little rubber band thing, whatever, or you can just tap cause there's at the speed you're going, it's really not that yeah. big a difference. Uh, on a gen three Glock, I've been doing a lot of the same kind of dry fire work. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll shoot the first shot yeah. dry yeah. and then just keep pushing the, the trigger. Yeah. And then other times I'll actually each shot, I'll just take it to the wall and let up. Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and that's what I'm doing is not getting the click until the last one. I'm just in, I'm, I'm running a gen five. The wall's a little less distinct, but I'm within an ounce or two probably of, of rolling over that. And so I'm basically coming, you know, doing that. See what you're seeing back, back, see what I'm seeing back, back, but I'm looking to the target first 
and I'm trying to do it with that timer structure where it says, okay, we're going to do these number of runs at this speed, and then we're going to drop the speed down, make it a little bit faster, these number of runs at this speed. And visually, when we ran this, my transitions felt more comfortable than they felt in a long time. Only having three dry fire, well, probably five dry fire sessions focused specifically on um, that transition mentality, yeah. not necessarily pulling the trigger. Um, and as far as like drop shots, I think I might have had a Charlie outside of the target you came back to, outside okay. of the designated target. Out of, outside of that, I might have had a Charlie per run. Um, and a couple of these were either semi-low light or low light, you know, running, a, you know, the flashlight on the gun. Um, I'd like to refine it a little better coming back to the designated target, but you came into it a lot and it was the known. So it was the hottest target to go into yeah. and out of. Um, and I think everybody was trying to make up whatever they could make up on that. And I'm probably guilty of that to some extent too, because the group on it, I definitely had a, a char a bunch of, a bunch of close Charlies, like two, three, four every time, mm -hmm. which that's frustrating, but there's a lesson there as well. Right. Yeah. So, um, it, it, th this was a, a super cool transition drill because it's a lot of transitions at one time. It's also a fair lot number of shots. There's a reload here. You're talking, what, 28 rounds? I think so. Something yeah, like that. Designated target, you got shot 14, 14 times. And the other thing else, 12. So 26. 26. 26 shots. Um, fairly high round count drill. And, and again, you can absolutely run a dry fire, and you could absolutely run it with five targets. You could probably start doing like the distance change up and run it with three targets or something like that yeah. too, if you wanted to do it with live ammo but not burn as much ammo. Um, good culmination, good stack of drills from one to the next for sure, because you still have to maintain grip on the gun. Um, you if you thrown in there, you've got you a reload really thrown in there, I would like you to talk about the pivot aspect the movement aspect even though your feet are relatively planted you talked a little bit about like dropping weight dropping a knee or the other to move back and forth um and and how to make that pivot because one of the other guys had been to a um uh, scott jedlinski modern samurai project class just talked about and we're and we're talking about similar but maybe not exactly the same kind of concepts because he's talking about losing a little bit of that core tension to just kind of move you're talking a little bit more about dropping your weight based on like giving a little bit of your knee. So you doing this stuff is your stance. You should have your knees kind of bent, your hips, maybe a little bit forward at the hips. All gives you movement. Yeah. All gives you the ability to move. Um, or to go to motion quickly, whether that's whether that's pivoting, turret pivoting, or whether that's breaking into a sprint to move to someplace else mm -hmm. that's advantageous. Talk about what you were saying about the knees and, and pivoting. Yeah, so I got this from a class I took with Mike Pannone. Um, actually, shoot, that was back in 2016. It's been a little while. Yeah. Um, but the idea, if we're in our, our not quite isosceles stance, um, but we've got a... Toe to heel. Toe yeah, to midfoot. So your strong side, my toe is in line with my weak side heel. Um, shoulders squared up to the direction we're facing. Hips squared up, too. Hips squared up. Um, I can maintain this stance... Like all day long, um, there's no extra core tension. Yep. Um, once we start pivoting, or I shouldn't say pivoting, once we start twisting at the waist, we're yep. doing that with our core. So you're engaging your obliques, um, you're engaging your lower back. You're creating tension. You're creating a lot of extra tension. Yep. Um, and that tension is energy um, that we can't put into running the shooting. Um, and if we've got a maintain that twist for a long time it's very fatiguing yep uh so what Pinot showed us in the class was to shift everything um from our knees up so we're able to keep our hips squared yep 
to the target. If I'm going to shift to the left, I drop my right knee. Yeah. Um, my left leg is still pretty straight. Yeah, it's still I, knee, knee's still soft, but knee's still but, soft, but, but not locked out. Yeah. Basically, still mostly straight. Yeah. Um, and I can get. I'm actually doing this right now. Yeah. Like I can get my hip shifted twenty degrees least, easy. I was thinking maybe closer yep. to forty-five. But it, yeah, I mean a twenty to thirty degrees easy, easy with with no effort. Yeah. And stretching it to forty-five. And then yeah. All of that effort is actually on the right quad. Yeah. Which is one of the biggest muscles in the body. Yeah. Uh, so I can hang out here for, I wouldn't say forever, but a long time. But for quite a long time. Long before, enough to service a target. Yeah. Or three. And then to go to the right, I'm dropping that left knee. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm getting, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 degrees, something like that, um, over to the right. Yeah. Um, and I'm not having to put any kind of extra tension, either in the shoulders, in this, in my core, um, in the mid back. It's all with the legs. Yeah. And we can, you can move your legs like that really fast and really consistently. Yeah. Um, so that, that I think is a, if you're doing a lot of bigger swings, target transition stuff, um, knowing how to use your, use your legs, use your knees, um, to turn becomes a big advantage. The, I think the other big advantage to that system, that mentality around movement though, is if you find yourself pivoting somewhere and then realize that you need more cover, better cover, or you, you need to not be where right you now. are, you can move right now because you haven't done something wonky with your feet. Um, and so, and so, yeah, the, you know, that was an interesting thing to point out as we go through a lot of these drills, we kind of do, um, you know, a post run analysis of a shooter's got some tweaks that somebody sees, you know, the point of our training group is to help each other out and kind of say, Hey, let's work on this. Let's work on that. Hey, you're doing this. Hey, you're doing that. And th I think that was a big thing to point out at, at some point during that, because it, it, it changed, I think of how everybody looks at how you're standing when you talk about having, you know, 45 degrees off of center line in either direction to pivot. That, that, that's a big deal, and it's something yeah. definitely to work on. And I, I don't know. I'm sure there's probably, you know, somebody's probably got a video of something like that out there mechanically where they're talking about where you're moving your feet, where you're moving your body for almost any athletic endeavor out there. So probably something you could probably look up and think about dropping your weight yeah. on that leg to pivot. Uh, in a lot of ways, it looks like the normal stance. It kind of reminds me of like a second baseman stance or a yeah. shortstop stance Yeah. Uh, where you're able to go in either direction, yeah. forward, backward. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of the whole intent of why the guys in the unit developed that stance. Yeah, to be able to move. I mean, you know, funny thing, when people shoot at you, you probably don't want to yeah. be where you are. So, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing I noticed with that, too, um, again, watching some other videos, like with Prank and some of those guys, that, you know, the, some of that stuff gets modified. Um, it's it, And to some extent, like, I'm running XYZ qualification drill, and it's super close time hacks so maybe i change that stuff up but in general when you watch them shoot competition wise or running the drills that are competition based drills or skills based drill hard skills based drills yep. you you get back to seeing a lot more of that how's my body lined up and can i move into and out of a position quickly becomes very important that conversation we just had about how you move your knees to pivot to turret um gives you the ability to move yeah. which is huge. So, so I know that's kind of a big side note to go on a big, but I thought it was an important thing yeah. to note from that, that night. Um, anything else to add to that specifically before we go back to the drill itself? Um, yeah. The other advantage to the stance is you can move without and take a stutter step. Yeah. So it saves you, 
you know, half a second. Yep. At least a couple tenths, maybe more. Yeah. Um, again, because they can explode in either direction without having to take a stutter step. Drop your weight and go. So, um, yeah, so th this drill, like I said, you know, th we're, we're talking about the athleticism potential, not necessarily this drill as an athletic movement drill. Um, there, if you did it right, there was no movement. Exactly. So, you know, um, but it was really nice. There's a lot of transitions in one place really fast, plus a reload, plus some other fun stuff. Um, I, I think everybody learned a little bit about what a 12 yard, coming back to a 12 yard target over and over again, was probably the one thing that everybody tried to out drive rather than going to that hard confirmation on the front side on that target because you're trying to go fast and get to the next yeah. target. Uh, the other thing people learn is if you're going to do seven targets, um, you are not given a specification in what order to run those targets, only that you had to start, come back to, and finish with the designated target, hence the name of the drill. Um, it, the guys lost track of where they were at. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know, um, they, a couple guys lost track on the reload. Um, a couple guys lost track because odd shit happened. Um, and I think a couple guys lost track just because they went to art school. Um, you know, so it's just kind of that stuff where you're working your way through and I'm not talking about the art school guy specifically. I'm just using that as an example. I just think there were some like brain fluff things that happened there. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe there's a little bit of the methodology of doing this. Um, there's some drills that are similar to this, but when you start pushing out a sequence to it, you change the drill versus just saying, Hey, run it and, and run it as fast as you can run it with absolutely making the hits. Yeah, adding, you know, an IDPA, like, you have to do some tactical priority. Or, yeah, yeah, that's not um, what this was. You know, doing, like, you have to shoot it, you know, all targets left to right or right to left. Yeah. Um, would have would definitely have changed the mental aspect of, yeah. hey, like, all this stuff needs done, figure out how to do it. And yeah. By the way, beep. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, and I, and I know, like, I, I, don't, I don't recall consciously trying to change this drill up. I know that I pivot or I transition from right to left generally better. And I don't know why. Everybody's used to reading left to right. So when they run a lot of drills that are multiple targets, they start on the left and work to the right. I tend not to do that. I tend to drive. And maybe the gun runs better one way or the other, and I'm just not good enough to know it. Um, but Might I be the way your peripheral vision works. Maybe. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. You have more awareness because you are see right-eye dominant. I'm right-eye dominant, so, so I've got more, more awareness to my awareness left. To the left. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know that when I shot this, I shot center left, center left, center left furthest, um, near to far, and then came back. And then, and then when I went the other way, I went, I went near, further, furthest, and back. There's probably some wisdom outside of that that I don't know, but it was interesting. And even in the dark, even with some weird stuff happening, um, you know, I, I, I ran, we were transitioning to lower light, and I went to the the light on the gun on the second drill, and. Uh, it overran the dot, and I had I had the dot set on auto. I had not adjusted it because I typically don't. And I went to the sights and ran it with iron sights without really much conscious thought, other than shit. There's no dot. Let's use sights, and then went on about my business. Mm -hmm. um, and also learned some weird things about switching on lights and stuff like that because I'm running a light system that I've got some low light with, but not a lot of draw strokes with. And so learned some stuff there too. Um, you know, again, if you can get out somewhere safe. Um, and you have the skills and the background to, to take advantage of some low light live fire. That's great. You can do a lot of low light dry and learn how lights work, still learn how triggers work. You can use dummy rounds, learn how to confirm you've loaded and unloaded your gun properly and all that yep. fun stuff in the dark, um, without making a bang. It's totally possible. So avail yourself of that opportunity, if nothing else, uh, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what do we, what did we learn from the drill? Um, uh... 
yeah, the big the big takeaways, uh, there were a few of us that you could definitely hear the difference in, you know, we were shooting reactive versus predictive. Yep. Yeah. Uh, depending on which target was getting engaged. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, again, timer's running, so this impetus to always give fast uh, kind of overrode the the yeah. I'd say the yeah. ability. I mean, people were Definitely out running their headlights. Over, overrode their ability and were shooting, trying to shoot predictive at 20 yards. Yeah. Um, when they don't have the skill set to shoot predictive at 20 yards. Yep. Um, you know, and they get away with it at five to seven, which is expected. Yep. Uh, but then trying to take that same speed to, you know, the farther distance when you need to slow down just a skosh. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we just did. Yeah. You know, with the practical accuracy everybody's like everybody was able to get hits you know at that like 0.5 yeah splits um but trying to run you know 0.25s or 0.3s yeah um wasn't there so knowing how to kind of slow down just a little bit yeah um you know and you know get the proper visual confirmation on the farther targets yep so there's a lot of con i wouldn't say context switching but knowing what how to apply or knowing what to apply and when yeah, um, at speed becomes really important. Absolutely, absolutely. That was that to to my mind. Uh, a lot of the other things that happened were incidentals based on gear, um, but that that to me was the biggest takeaway. That and then the movement thing were the were the two big takeaways. Yeah. But that especially, and that's what the drills totally intended it's to designed do. Designed for. That's yeah. what it totally intended to do. And like I said, the cadence was obvious. You could almost hear the guys that shot it well. You could hear, you yeah. could hear him shoot it well without even looking at targets. You could hear, you know, when the cadence changed based on distance, they were going to make the hits, and when they didn't, they didn't. Mm. So yeah, because uh, the like the target, the time between the transitions was pretty much the same. Yeah, it's or not close it's, to the same. Yeah, it's not a huge swing uh, differential. It, yeah, you really did notice though the difference in you know who, when people were shooting reactive versus when people were shooting predictive. Yep. 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 Uh, on that note, as we come across cool interesting drills along with other stuff um, we try to post it up to our social media um, you can follow us along on facebook and instagram as long as the commie bastards at meta let's stick around <laughs> on facebook search for cap city outfitters on instagram search for cap city outfitters too um yeah we apologize for not being able to post a lot of pictures and stuff on actually we don't apologize we blame the people at meta and their nasty robots yeah we apologize for, for their communists for not letting us post pictures about guns and things and um, we're trying to avoid having to go to cassie offers three yeah as an ig handle um so bear with us on that uh on our website capcityoutfitters.com you can find information such as how to do an ffl transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com uh, also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out on Fridays uh, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will sign you up for the newsletter list. And then lastly, visit us at the store. We're here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, we're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louie's Fusion Drill. Try the Mofongo. Uh, we're here, uh, what is it, Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and on Saturdays from 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.